Now, on this Invest Talk podcast, Justin Klein listens to your questions. What does it mean when a company's share price falls to cheap prices and executive insiders don't buy more? My question is, how much of your portfolio should you put into like ETFs and mutual funds? I had a question about Dutch Bros. It's going to be a new IPO. And provides unbiased answers. I think the bet on the raw materials that go into electric cars are going to be far better than the electric car producers. Invest Talk across America and around the world. Your participation makes it unique. 888-99-CHART. This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome to Invest Talk. This is our Monday, November 22nd, 2021 edition of Invest Talk. Appreciate you all tuning in. And I'm going to do my very best, as usual, to give you some insight, some perspective, and some data in order for you to make good decisions. And yes, it is November 22nd. And we, on this date, uh, 58 years ago, U.S. President John F. Kennedy was assassinated. And when it comes to stock market shocks, the assassination of President Kennedy ranks pretty high in history. That day, the S&P dropped to 2.8%, and the New York Stock Exchange actually shut down on that day when that happened. Now, here in 2021, Thanksgiving is just three days away. Hopefully, you enjoy some downtime and start thinking about next year. And this is really that time. We're uh, a little over a month left in 2021. And so really, it's for the most part in the rearview mirror. And so you have to think about next year and the challenges that that might bring, the goals that might have changed throughout this year, and how you can adjust your strategy appropriately to meet those particular goals. Now, you have a portfolio, you have savings, you have a financial picture that needs work. It always needs work. You're never going to be in a set it and forget it type of environment until maybe, oh, you you buy, you buy retire, you buy a fixed annuity, and you have uh, income coming in. You have to think about it. Maybe that's, that's you. Maybe that's, uh, that, that's down the line. But today... 99.9% of you are building, investing, growing your nest egg. And that's what I'm here to help you do. So I encourage you to give me a call at 888-99-CHART. Now, in today's program and podcast, I'll operate with my mission statement, which is always independent thinking and shared success. No matter what I'm speaking about, I am here to give you the facts as I see them using my 20-plus years of investment experience and eliminate all the bias that you typically have with uh, what you're hearing on CNBC, for example. So I'm Justin Klein. Of course, I encourage you, encourage you to contact me with your finance and investment questions, which you can do right now during our live stream program from 4 to 5 Pacific time, or you can leave a question on our anytime Invest Talk Voice Bank. Either way, that number never changes at 888-989-CHART. So let's get right to our first listener question now. 
Hey, Steve. Hey, Justin. This is John in Atlanta. I was just giving you guys a call. I got rid of the bond part of my 401k and invested into the stock at my company. I currently work at Southern Company. The ticker symbol is SO. I was just wondering if you could evaluate that stock and let me know. Um, in my 401k, I have 5% of my 401k going to the company stock now. They do offer a match with what I put in there. So I was just wondering if I should increase my position or just leave it at the 5%. Appreciate it, you guys. Have a good day. All right. It's a good question. He works for Southern Company. This is one of the largest utilities in the United States. They distribute electricity and natural gas to approximately 9 million customers across nine different states. 50 gigawatts of generation, uh, generating capacity. Uh, they operate in Georgia, Alabama, uh, Mississippi, uh, looks like Texas and California as well. And so... This is, once again, one of the largest, $67 billion market cap, yields 4.2%. And frankly, Southern Company is one of the most stable, best utility companies in the United States. And 5% of your overall 401k in it, not not, not bad at all. Uh, I might even increase that just a bit, uh, probably not too much more, definitely not more than 10%. But this is the type of name that... You are okay owning maybe a, a little bit above the range of what you want in your company stock, and I think five to ten percent is probably where you, you want to be for for uh, pretty much everybody uh, if they can buy their company stock. And if you're at five, I think closer to ten is, is not a bad idea. And why do I say this can be in the upper range of that? Is because it's a pretty safe equity. Now, equities in in, in and of itself, they're always risky. But this is on the safer side. Their profits are regulated in by the local state regulators. And historically, it's a very well-run utility, has non-cyclicality to it, and pays a nice dividend, 4.2%, like I said right now. So that's why I'm going to give this a thumbs up. And uh, increasing this just a bit is probably not a, a bad idea. Now, my focus point today is based on the story behind this headline. Home sales rose in October as investors rushed into the market. Realtors are now predicting full-year sales of over 6 million, which would be the highest number of sales since 2006. That's for next year. We're going to dig into that story. Another story I want to touch on is the Fed. And it looks like, announced today, that Jerome Powell will be renominated uh, for a second term as the head of the Federal Reserve. And the market had an interesting reaction to that. And I'm going to go over that. And then we're going into year end. Probably have a lot of gains this year. What can you do to maybe limit your capital gains on your positions if you do want to take some profits? And then lastly, this new house bill that passed on Friday to... Are, are, is going to create a, a couple of interesting changes to our tax code, 15% minimum tax, as well as cross-border corporate tax. So uh, that is going to have impact on certain industries, and we can dig into that as well. Those are interesting to me. Those are the topics that are front of mind for me. But there are other topics that are front of mind for you, and that's why 
I'm here to answer your questions at 888 charts. So if you have any, I encourage you to reach out. Let's look at the market today. You have the 10-year up decidedly, nine basis points on the 10-year, up to 1.625%. And I think a lot of that had to do with Jerome Powell uh, being uh, renominated. Uh, there was some hope that Lael Brainerd, who was more of a dove that will uh, have a looser monetary policy, would be the one to head the Fed. And what you're seeing now uh, with the reaction of the market is that uh, the, the market was pricing in that possibility. Now, that's not the case. We know that he's going to be uh, – Jerome Powell is going to be renominated. And the market didn't like it. You saw the cues were weak. The, the, the growth side of the market was weak. Going into the morning, had a nice rollover, consolidation throughout the day. And then through the close, we had a very, very strong sell-off uh, in the queues and in the S&P and even, even small caps. You know, those weren't down very much uh, today. You had gold down as well and on a potentially more hawkish Fed, although after hours, that's, uh, that's kind of reversing. Uh, but that's, that was really the message that the market sent today that, hey – the hope of a more dovish Fed head is no longer in the cards. We're, we're going to have Jerome Powell, and he is on a tightening cycle. What will that mean for markets? When will that break markets? We don't know. But eventually they do. That's always the trend of the Fed is they reverse course. They go from loosening monetary policies to tightening monetary policy. And they do that until something breaks. And the market didn't like that. Now, when does that break? Like I said, is it next week, next month, next year, 2023? We will see. But clearly, the market was not um, not bullish on the fact that Jerome Powell was renominated. Now, we're heading into a break, but I'm here. I'm very happy to tackle your finance and investment question. This is Invest Talk. So give me a call at 888 chart Thanksgiving will be here soon, and you've got festivities planned. But you can't forget about your goal to achieve financial freedom. Steve Peasley and Justin Klein are here, and they welcome your questions now. Invest Talk, 888-99-CHART. Hi, Stephen, Justin. This is Alan from Haywood, California. I uh, love the show. I just wanted to know what you think of ticker symbol PBFX. I uh, just wanted to know if you think it's a good business or not. That was P as in Peter, B as in boy, F as in Frank, X as in X-ray. Thanks. All right. Looking at PBF Logistics, I haven't heard of this one. It's fairly small, $773 million market cap. It is – let's look at a longer-term chart here. Yeah, it, it, it went down with a lot of the – this space in the COVID crisis from about $21 per share pre-crisis and all the way down to three bucks and change in just a span of four weeks. Now we're at $12.40. Now what they do is they are a master limited partnership or just a limited partner. So understand that that 9.6% dividend that you would be getting is taxed at your ordinary income tax rate, whether that's in your IRA or, or not. Um, you're probably going to exceed the income limits on that side, so you have to file a K-1. So the tax implications are, are going to be different. So understand that. 
Now, what they do is they own and lease, operate, develop, and acquire crude oil and refined petroleum product terminals, pipelines, storage facilities, and similar logistics assets. And that's really my issue here is that it's mainly focused on crude oil and refined products. I am a much bigger fan of natural gas pipelines. And so that's where I would be going because I do think as we shift more towards electric vehicles, that doesn't eliminate our demand for fossil fuels. It's just different types of fossil fuels because the vast majority of our electric grid still runs on fossil fuels of some type, coal or natural gas. Yes, nuclear, well, nuclear is not really growing, uh, but green is growing, but it's still only about 20% of our electric grid. And so if I'm going to own assets that transport oil and natural gas, I want ones that are heavily weighted towards natural gas that feed into our electric grid, feed into power plants uh, that feed into electric grid. So that's what I would be going with. I would be going with one of those. I would not be chasing that higher yield. Yes, your yield is not going to be as high, uh, but I would go with a non-limited partnership focused on the natural gas side, not the petroleum side. Thanks for the call. Now, my focus point today is based on the story behind this headline. Home sales rose in October as investors rushed into the market. And that was the interesting fact here is that investors made up 17% of buyers of homes in the United States in the month of October. That's up from 13% in September. Think of that from 13 to 17% of the entire market. And it was 14% in, 20, in, in October of 2020. So year over year, that's also increasing in a 20% clip. That's, is that a good thing? Well, all cash buyers represented 24% of all buyers. And first-time home buyers only accounted for 29%. That was down from 32% a year ago. Historically, first-time home buyers account for 40% of home purchases. So that's, that's worrisome that the average person, the new home buyer, isn't able to, to get in nearly as easily as they used to. And I think that's a, a poor sign for kind of the, the overall structure of the country, uh, but the housing market as a whole. Now, sales of these previously owned homes, remember, existing homes, rose 0.8% in October to a seasonally adjusted clip of 6.34 million. Now sales were 5.8% lower than October of last year, but that was kind of a cyclical peak. Now there were 1.25 million homes available for sale at the end of October, so inventory, which is 12% lower from a year ago and represents only 2.4 months of current supply. Now I will say that's up, that 2.4% is up from where it was uh, in the ones just uh, recently, but uh, five to six month supply is kind of imbalanced. So it really remains a seller's market. And the higher end homes, uh, those were up definitely the most. And even with the higher mortgage rates up from 2.78% early August to 3.16% today, it's still not enough to crimp demand. Demand remains strong. Now you're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein, and we are here to answer your questions. So I'm taking your calls live at 888 chart
Invest Talk is here to help. And when you download the free Invest Talk podcasts, don't forget to rate and review. The phone lines are open 888 99Chart. Now, when people take the time to leave an Invest Talk podcast review on iTunes, we'd like to thank them for their courtesy by getting to the questions quickly. So here are some questions from iTunes reviewers. Kendall Kendon67 says, I am mostly a dividend investor. I do not take high risks and do not own any crypto. I'm very curious on crypto and scared to miss the boat. I'm considering BITO, B-I-T-O. What do you think of this ETF? Well, first, the first sentence basically says you're a moderate to conservative investor. Investing in crypto is not that. Uh, and you don't want to be investing with your emotions. And that's what it sounds like. I'm scared of missing the boat. I, it's FOMO. That's an emotion. So you never want to be investing that way. You want to understand your risks, understand your risk tolerance level, and make sure those are relatively aligned. Now, having you can still be a you know, moderate investor and have a very small amount in crypto, and you're, you're fine. Um, but it doesn't sound like you're going through this process in the right way. Now, BITO, B-I-T-O, is the new Bitcoin ETF, and this is uh, an interesting one because it is, uh, I said this before, it is based on futures, rolling futures, buying futures on, uh, on Bitcoin. And typically, futures-focused funds are terrible long-term investments. Just go look at UNG and USO. They go consistently down. These are, these are uh, ETFs tied to natural gas and oil. And so I've been looking at say, okay, how does this perform to something like a GBTC, which is uh, a closed-end trust? And yes, they can trade at discounts and premiums, et cetera. But in general, it's going to stay relatively around its it, NAV. And this is already down 10%. BITO is down 10% in relation to GBTC. And I can almost guarantee GBTC's premium didn't go up 10% over the past uh, month. I'd have to look at that. But uh, it just shows you that BITO is already underperforming a GBTC uh, trust that's just owning the underlying crypto, which is uh, Bitcoin. So I think BITO is a terrible vehicle. Uh, I think if you're going to own crypto or Bitcoin straight up in an investment account, you're going to use GBTC over uh, any of the other alternatives right now. Now, here's another iTunes review question. Forestry Guy says, I would like to get your anal- analysis opinion, uh, a good entry point, and the correct percentage of person's overall portfolio allocation by purchasing the iShares Global Energy ETF in the energy space. I believe this symbol, let's see what the symbol is. It IN, INRG. Well, I, I do think this space is overhyped. Uh, down today. Let me look at the chart here. INRG. Oh, this is the UK. That's why it's the UK version. INRG. Um, yeah, I'm not a fan of this. This place, this space is overhyped. Uh, if you look at a lot of these names, I mean, the third biggest name in this is Plug Power, which is a uh, very overhyped, overpriced uh, hydrogen fuel cell uh, company. And 
I'm yeah, I'm I'm not gonna be buying after this hype, this recent run up. Uh, I, I use Tan as another example. That's kind of a clean ninja solar ETF, at least. Uh, I'm definitely passing on this name. Let's go to Dave in Honolulu, looking at uh, inflation. What's your question, Dave? Uh, good afternoon. Well, from Honolulu. Good afternoon. Yeah. Uh, question about 2022. If we believe that inflation is not transitory and is going to be with us, uh, certainly until the supply chain picks up and we maybe experience a gut in a year or so, um, what would you look at? What sectors in the equity industry would you look at for inflationary protective uh, investments? It's a great question. Uh, Well, Oh, that depends uh, on whether the economy remains relatively strong, you know, grows next year or, you know, it shrinks and goes into recession. So that's the big question. Uh, if you viewed our our webinar last week, which everyone can uh, find over on our YouTube channel, uh, Invest Talk, so you can, you can find it over there. And, and, and one of those slides is an overview of the type of value sectors. Now, if inflation remains relatively high, now do you think it will moderate next year? That's the thing with inflation narrative. It's it's transitory. What does transitory mean? Uh, if we stay around three or 4%, is that mean that, uh, which, which is much higher than we're used to over the past couple of decades, does that mean that that's transitory because it now came down from six to four? Or is that not transitory because it's above kind of our longer term averages that we're, we're used to. So what does that mean exactly? But what I can say is if inflation should stay relatively elevated, there are different sectors that will do well. Um, and the healthcare, the utility side, that's typically value sectors. Uh, but And those will do well if the economy also shrinks and we have a stagflationary environment. But if we have reflation, where you have inflation remains relatively hot and the economy remains relatively strong, you're talking about energy, commodities, industrials, financials, the cyclical names. Those are the sectors that should do well. So it depends on the growth side, not just the inflation side as well. Now we're heading into a break. I'm Justin Klein. I'm ready to take your questions live at 888-99-CHART. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It is official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Let's say you've been thinking about learning a new language. 
Okay, why? I mean, how would it come in handy? And where would you want to use it? Could it be that you have an upcoming international trip? Or maybe you want to connect with family members or friends from a different culture. I think you should know about Rosetta Stone. With millions of users, it's been the world's most trusted language learning program for 30 years. Rosetta Stone is available on your desktop or as an app with audio companion and the ability to download lessons offline. Rosetta Stone truly immerses you in the language you want to learn. It has a built-in patented speech recognition engine called True Accent. So as you practice speaking, you'll get feedback on how well you pronounce words. With Rosetta Stone, you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. It's an intuitive process designed for long-term retention. You really learn to speak, listen, and think in your new language. Rosetta Stone is an amazing value, so your special skill set is within easy reach. You know you want to do this, so don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, InvestTalk listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off now at rosettastone.com today. Each day, InvestTalk listeners submit their finance and investment questions via phone or email. Would you like your question to be put near the top of the list? Just take a minute or two to leave a review and rating for InvestTalk at iTunes. And be sure to include a brief question with your iTunes review comments. Hi, my name is Adam Schwartz. I'm calling from Sacramento, California, and I had a question about Transocean, the ticker is RIG, R-I-G. I have a position in it, and it looks like it's made a series recently of higher highs and higher lows, but it did break this most recent trend line. And I'm just wondering, what do you think I should hold this position or cut my losses and just sell it? I'm down probably about 8 to 10% on it, roughly, so it's not that big of a loss. But I was thinking because it's an offshore oil driller and... I know that the Biden administration is not allowing any more fresh drilling on land. This might be a, a play uh, based on higher oil prices. Although the last quarter was kind of disappointing, I think going forward, it could be a winner. So just wondered what you thought about it and looking forward to see what your response is. I'll be listening on podcast. Thank you. All right. Looking at TransOcean, it's one of the largest offshore Drillers, actually, yeah, it's one of the largest deep water and ultra deep water uh, fleets in the world. Its rigs operate globally. So, worrying about Biden trying to ban certain uh, types of drilling, I'd be more worried about fracking than something like uh, this. But they operate in West Africa, Brazil, Gulf of Mexico, like I said, uh, all over the world. Now, here's my issue I'll give you the as usual, the pros and the cons. The pros are this is going to have high leverage to oil prices. Now, what do you mean by that? Well, deep water oil drilling is typically more expensive than onshore drilling. 
And so when oil prices are, are very high, uh, their, their operating leverage is also very high. Okay, So their break-even is at a high level. So right now, they're actually losing money, it looks like. Last quarter, they lost 19 cents a share. This year, supposed to lose 53 cents a share. They haven't really made money since 2016. And so, but if oil starts to creep above $100 a barrel, again, well, their profits are going to, they're going to start earning a profit rather quickly. Whereas a lot of other oil companies are already making a profit because their break-even is much lower. And so if you're betting on the upside of oil prices, this is a high-risk, good way of doing that. Now, the other question is, is that what you're going for? Are you betting on higher oil prices? Now, it certainly could happen near term. There's a lot of politics around not having new oil supply. But I also think there are some demand potential issues longer term. So if I'm getting uh, access to fossil fuels, I want to be in the natural gas space. And guess what? There's typically not a whole lot of natural gas collected and transported on these deep water rigs. And so they're very focused on oil. They typically flare off the natural gas that they might receive as well. So while I do think oil is going to go higher, it's just not a great risk versus reward in this space. They have a lot of debt. Uh, and they're, once again, not focused on the type of energy that I want to see, which is natural gas. Though That's going to continue to be in high demand. So I'm going to pass on rig. I would just redeploy that money in other areas that have better risk versus rewards. Now, let's touch on Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell, who is going to be nominated for a second term. Now he has to get through confirmation uh, like he did before, but... That's probably going to happen again. Four years ago, there 84 lawmakers voted to confirm Jerome Powell. 68 are still in office today. And that's split between Democrats and Republicans evenly. And so he's expected to be confirmed. What's interesting is the market sold off on that. Why? Because progressive Democrats were really pushing for Biden to... Tap Lael Brainerd for the top job at the Fed. But his advisors basically are saying they want to focus their efforts on passing their Build Back Better plan. Climate legislation, social spending policies, etc. And what President Biden said today was, Jay has, pr- Jay has proven the independence that I value in a Fed chair. So that's today at the White House. And his main focus, once again, is not to have some drawn-out confirmation process because that's what would happen if if Lael Brainerd was nominated. There would be a lot of infighting, and she has a decent chance of not getting confirmed. Whereas everyone kind of knows what Jerome Powell is. He's a known entity. And he already said he would help accelerate the Fed's efforts to address the risks that the climate change posed to U.S financial system. Now, I don't know how he's going to do that. I think that's uh, kind of a fool's errand. Remember, the Fed's tools are very 
blunt. They're not very precise. The fiscal authorities, they can be a lot more precise. And I think that's where any climate change issues are definitely going to be addressed. Now, going into 2022, now we know who, who's going to be at the helm. And the current trajectory of tightening monetary policy is going to be likely sustained going forward. And Jerome is definitely a dove. But there was hope, I think, in the market that there'd be more of a dove, like Lael Brainerd, who would keep the pedal to the metal when it comes to liquidity. Whereas right now the Fed's starting to slowly, very slowly step back from the liquidity injections. Now going into next year, what are the things he needs to think about? Well, supply chains and the dynamics that the supply shocks are created with inflation. Does he fight higher inflation and lower economic growth or does he support economic growth and let inflation continue to run? Well, right now he's saying that Got the, the economy is growing fast enough, and we need to start reducing some liquidity. And will they do it fast? No, they're going to do it slow, and they, they have been doing it slow. And the Fed does not typically you – know, will the Fed react at some point to high inflation if it stays in this 4 5 6% range? And does that – if he doesn't, does that trigger a self-reinforcing kind of cycle? Because if people think transitory uh, inflation is transitory, they're not going to operate in an environment that, uh, where they expect inflation to be high. And I know based on our, our, our webinar last week, people think inflation is going to be high next year, going to actually accelerate, where I would actually say it's going to decelerate. Not dramatically, but some. And, but if people get into this habit of expecting higher and higher prices, what they're going to do, they're going to buy more. They're going to go out and try to front run any increase in prices. And what does that do? It grows the economy, but it also creates this reinforcing cycle where inflation just marches higher. And that's the worry that the Fed has is that this inflation cycle will become incipient and continue to build on itself. So that's the worries going into next year, and we'll see how the Fed does. But very interesting to see how the market's reaction. Not a great reaction to this recent announcement. Now let's grab another caller question. This came in from Canada. Hi, Steve. Uh, Justin, good evening. This is Sage from Toronto, Canada. I have a question regarding the ticker symbol QRVO, QRVO, INC, currently at $158. This is mainly in the 5G area. Do you think uh, this is the right time to get into the 5G or we are already late for that? Apart from the debt, I, I'm, I'm feeling comfortable about this stock and I need your opinion before uh, I enter into this particular stock. Can you please give me your feedback? Thank you. Have a wonderful day. I'm enjoying the show. Bye. All right. This is QRVO. Quorvo, I guess is how you would pronounce it. Q-O-R-V-O is how you spell the name of the company. And they, this is a combination of RF micro devices, I remember them well, and TriQuint semiconductors. They merged in 2015, and they specialize in radio frequency filters, power amplifiers, front-end modules, etc. And this 
like you said, is in all types of telecommunication equipment, especially 5G, as a lot of kind of nodes need to be deployed for 5G to work. Now, I think the worry is that uh, what happened recently with the, I think it was the, uh, the F, FFA, FFA, yeah, FAA, uh, where their frequency for 5G was creating problems with, I believe, planes. And that could be uh, an issue and, and maybe slow down the development of 5G and, you know, change the way that works. And, and that's, my, that's my biggest worry here is that this is slowing down. This growth of this company is slowing. Last quarter, revenues are only up 18% year over year, and earnings were up 41% year over year. But that is down. That's the worst performance since the second quarter of last year and back to kind of pre-pandemic levels. And this is a very cyclical business. I think it's a good business, but it's also in a downtrend. And I don't like that this is in this kind of consistent downtrend really since mid-August, and it's uh, down 25% from its 52-week high. This looks like it wants to go to about 120. It's at 150 now. I'd be interested in it there and see how it reacts, see if it can find some major support because I really don't see a lot of support until then. So um, I, I interesting name, good company. Uh, but I also think that this recent growth and the expectations built in the market are a bit too bullish. So uh, around 120, that that's where I'd be interested in Corvo, Q-R-V-O. Now, I think it's, take a, take, it's worth taking a minute to make you aware of some benefits of working with myself and Steve Peasley at our company, KPP Financial, based in Irvine, California, where we practice parallel investing and the same philosophy. We operate with the same philosophy as we do here, which is independent thinking and shared success. We want to bring you along in our success, and which means we don't think like uh, the rest of Wall Street. We are independent in that way, and we provide unbiased guidance both on and off air, and we invest right alongside our clients. The same investment strategies that we implement for ourselves. That's why we call it parallel investing. So if you want to take advantage of our free portfolio view assessment via telephone or go-to meetings, just send us a message to investtalk.com or call our KPP financial offices in Irvine, California, 800-557-5461. We'd love to help in any way. Next up, another InvestTalk voice bank question. So hang on. Each day, InvestTalk listeners submit their finance and investment questions via phone or email. And Steve and Justin, thank you for your loyalty. Would you like your question to be put near the top of the list? Just take a minute or two to leave a review and rating for Invest Talk at iTunes. And be sure to include a brief question with your iTunes review comments. Your rating is a vote of confidence that leads to higher visibility and causes more people to discover and listen to Invest Talk. So please tell your friends and family members about the free Invest Talk downloads at iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and investtalk.com. Remember to include your brief question when you review and rate on iTunes. And of course, your calls are always welcome 24-7. Don't forget to call InvestTalk, 888-99-CHART. Hello, Steve or Justin. Great show. Thanks for all the great ideas. Question. I'm looking at Big Five, ticker BGFV. I got in at 24. I sold it at 45, very happy, 58% gain in about a week or two. 
it's so volatile. I can't understand why it just goes up and down. It moves wildly sometimes. So I was thinking about using it as a trading stock. You think that'd be wise? Just keep an eye on it, you know, buy low, sell high, that old adage. It does have a two and a quarter percent dividend. So if I get stuck, you know, I won't hurt so bad, but I just can't understand the extreme volatility with uh, Big Five Sporting. Thank you, and uh, have a good day. Great show. Bye. All right. Well, this is uh, pretty easy. This is kind of uh, another one of those Reddit stocks, uh, Wall Street Bets, GameStop, AMC, etc., because Big Five has high short interest, and that's why it's so volatile, because it gets into kind of this short squeeze situation, the shorts cover, uh, and then suddenly the buyers go away. Remember, short covering, you have to buy. And so once they're done covering, the the stock comes back in. And that's what you've seen here, going from 20 all the way to 40 uh, almost $48 a share just a, a week or two ago. And now we're back down to 27 and change. And the big question is, is this this is an investment this is a, like you said a trading vehicle at this point uh and you have to treat it just like amc and gme which is they're just kind of lottery tickets there's nothing uh, especially these valuations that are supporting these stocks it all has to do with the game that's being played around trying to create a short squeeze that's it and the business of a big five which has been doing well during the pandemic as more and more people are trying to buy things to get outdoors and play activity, you know, have activities, et cetera. Uh, That is slowing down. And you see that with earnings expected to be on 27% next year from this year. And the question is, will it trend back to pre-pandemic levels of making 39 cents a share? Now it's a $29 stock. So no, this is not uh, a great investment and you don't want to get, don't, 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 Go in there planning, oh, if I get stuck, oh, it pays a dividend. Because it can go down 50%. It's going to take you decades to earn that through a dividend. So never think of it in those terms. This is the best talk. We're heading into our final break. So if you're going to call, you want to do it now at 888-99-CHART. Your objective is to work hard, plan well, and achieve financial freedom, right? You're in luck because Justin Klein is here now, ready to take your finance and investment questions. Call 888-99-CHART. Hey, Stephen, Justin. My name's Rick. I listen to the uh, podcast, usually as I'm driving to work. Um, I just had a question about Ally Financial. You know, I don't see a whole lot of difference between that and other fintech companies, but yet it trades at such a low P.E. ratio compared to, you know, whether it be Square or even like SoFi now. Um, and I feel like it's a very similar platform. So I just kind of wanted to uh, hear your take on, I don't know, I guess that um, observation. Thanks, guys. All right. That's actually a good point. There are a lot of other fintech companies that are trading at much higher multiples. And Ally is currently trading at about... Price sales of 2.2, which is you know not low, but certainly not dramatically uh, high. And earnings, net income about three billion on a company with a market cap of about uh, 17 billion, which is pretty good. 
but they they don't really have the growth, and that's what you're seeing here. Is while revenue growth, well, earnings growth is is robust. Their revenue growth is basically negative over the past uh, the past year. So that's why you're not seeing this trade at high multiples. Uh, so many companies now are simply trading based on sales growth and extrapolating the, that sales growth out for five, ten years. And you can't really do that, Ally, because they don't really have great sales growth. Uh, and earnings uh, have just been what, making better, uh, better margins on their business, repurchasing shares, so earnings per share goes up. And that's, that's good, but you can only do that so much in a competitive market, and that's really the issue. So that's why you're seeing um, allies not trading at high multiples, and the chart actually is looking relatively bearish, now below all the major moving averages, consolidating after this recent move uh, in October. So I'm going to pass on ally, and, uh, but I agree with you. Uh, it is trading at much lower multiples, but those are kind of the reasons why. Thanks for the call. 8899 chart, 8899 Let's top it off with trimming your positions uh, without potentially triggering capital gains. We're going into the back half of the year. It's back half of the year, but the last month of the year. And if you're going to adjust your tax situation after such large gains, then you're going to need to do that in the next five weeks or so. Well, how, what, what are the options? What are the options for you to do that? Well, first is you need to think about rebalancing. Now, maybe you want to wait until uh, January to rebalance if you're trying to uh, maybe trim your equities. Now, 60-40 bond portfolio, 60% stocks, 40% bond uh, at the end of last year is now up to 66% stocks and 34% bonds. So it's not a bad idea to rebalance that especially in a tax-deferred account like an IRA, 401k. So auto-rebalancing that without thinking about it, uh, you can do that with a 401k oftentimes, but with an IRA, you, you might have to do that manually. Uh, but you should definitely think about doing that on a regular basis. But if it's in a taxable account, you should also think about rebalancing it, maybe not until January. Now, if you have taken some gains or you want to take some gains, uh, there are a few options. The first is being short against the box. A lot of people know this, but let's say you own some shares. You're, you're thinking, you know, it's peaking and I want to get rid of it, but I don't want to take those gains today. Well, you can short the stock, say tomorrow, the same amount of shares that you own. And then you close maybe both positions at the beginning of next year at the same time. And what that does is, yes, you're, uh, you're not going to make any money on it, but you're not going to lose any money on it until January because your long position is simply offset by your short position. They're going to equally profit or lose depending on their, the direction of the stock. So that's one way to think about it. And understand that a wash rule, uh, avoiding the wash rule, selling maybe a, a position that is similar uh, to another position that you buy. So, for example, is Exxon and Chevron. Maybe you own Exxon, you want to sell uh, sell it, uh, you, maybe you're at a loss, but you want to c continue to capture the upside of the oil market. Well, buy Chevron. Something similar, going to act very similar. 
Um, and then you can take your loss while still having exposure to that underlying sector. So there's a few tips going into the back half of the year or last month of the year, excuse me. I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Invest Talk program. Steve Peasley and I thank you for listening. We encourage you to tell your friends and family about our free podcast downloads now with over 36 million, which you can get anytime at iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. And be sure to rate and review. And if you do, leave us a review. We will prioritize your answer to your question if you leave one within your rating. Now, we're getting close to the holidays, and that's a good thing, and I'm excited for it. But I'll talk to you next time on Invest Talk, independent thinking, shared success. This is Invest Talk. Good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered and offered to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights.